Well, welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where it's our goal to help Christians love and live out God's Word. I'm Pastor Aaron Nicholson, and I'm here with Brian Trainer. Brian, thank you for being here on this it's, show. It's great to be here, Aaron. It's always a joy to be at Indian Hills, and it's always a joy to be in Lincoln, even when it's snowing a little bit. That's right. Yes, so. you got to experience some Lincoln, Nebraska weather. Yes. Well, very good. Well, if you don't know, uh, Brian is a director and associate dean at Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. And we at Indian Hills have the privilege of having him uh, as our guest speaker for the men's conference this weekend as we're recording it. Um, so thank you for for coming in a little early to record this podcast episode. All good. Well, God has used you mightily in a number of different ways across uh, in churches across America. Um, you spoke at churches, you're a professor, you're a teacher. And uh, so just want to ask about you and what you do in ministry. What do you enjoy most about ministry? Um, what are you most passionate about in ministry? It's, it's interesting. Um, I accepted Christ when I was 19 mm-hmm. and immediately just thought, Lord, I want to use my life in ministry. And I had no idea what that meant. I just started preparing for what I anticipated to be pastoral ministry. And after I actually got done with undergrad and then grad school, I thought, Lord, I want to go pastor church, be there for 50 years, marry them, bury them, preach (laughs) Genesis to to Revelation, and just enjoy that type of a role. Mm -hmm. And God has has surprised me. In some ways, it it was unexpected. Matter of fact, it was was fully unexpected. In some ways, satisfying. In some ways, I I kind of missed the joy, quite honestly, of being in in full-time pastoral ministry. So what God has done is, is he's moved my wife and I through multiple ministries, primarily ministries that are going through transitions. Mm-hmm. So I've been in Christian colleges and Christian uh, seminaries. I've been in pastoral ministries that are either exploding in growth and kind of helping them through those growth movements or at times even struggling. Mm-hmm. So with that really comes the joy of every day is slightly different. There's a multi- multiplicity of things to do. I love Christian college ministry and seminary ministry. Mm-hmm. So to, to answer your question directly, I love being in a classroom with of men, either internationally or domestically, that those men are hungry for the word. They recognize the weight and the responsibility of shepherding. They know what they're facing in the future. Mm-hmm. They're thinking critically about the word. Um, when you're in that environment, quite honestly, those men, they force you to pray better. Mm-hmm. They force you to think better. The opportunities, to, again, with an open word to engage with them, that that gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, uh, and, and it's not that you have all the answers. As a matter of fact, you know you don't have all the answers, but actually even walking into the classroom yeah. gives you an opportunity to partner with them as they're, as they're preparing to serve the Lord. I tell you what, I agree. Yeah, nothing more exciting than seeing someone else be excited about the word and responding to it and what they say and how they their behavior changes and... Uh, praise God! Yeah, you get to see that in the in the seminary level. Yeah, and, and and particularly when you travel internationally, because they're asking different questions in restricted access nation, nations and in Africa, uh, throughout South America, which just gives you a, a more robust understanding of God's word. Uh, which again is a joy to see what God does. Yeah. So it's just being a, a, a very broken vessel in the process of being used by God and looking back at, at God's rich blessings on life. Amen. That's encouraging. Well, the episode title for today is um, Trends in Modern-Day Evangelicalism. And so I'll ask you to comment on that. But first, could you just define evangelicalism for us? 
And we could go, obviously, lots of different directions. Yeah. In, in the most simple form, uh, evangelical, it's actually, it's birthed out of the Greek word, which speaks of good news. And so an evangelical is one that believes the gospel. Gospel being that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he came to earth, lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross as a, as a propitiatory atonement for the sins of mankind, that he was resurrected the third day, and that he's coming again. So an evangelical is one that believes the core message of the, the, the birth, perfect life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the simple way of defining it. In a broader way, the term evangelical, actually, it'll go all the way back to the 1500s. Uh, William Tyndale actually used the phrase evangelical truth, speaking of a body of truth. Martin Luther, as the Reformation was being formed, spoke in terms of the evangelical Lutheran church. And in doing so, he was really uh, setting in contrast the Roman Catholic church, which he would not define as evangelical, to something that did hold, again, to the gospel message and then to the surrounding orthodoxy or surrounding doctrines that actually supported the gospel message. So evangelical has, is, is rooted in church history from a more, if I can phrase it, from a contemporary perspective, and we'll stay in America now and only go back about 100 years instead of 400 back to Europe. Uh, in the 1920s, there was the modernist and the fundamentalist controversy, and really what that was all about was the, the in, inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. The fundamentalist and evangelicals would have been a, a, a synonymous with fundamentalists within that, that context, those that, that were Bible believers, actually separated from the modernists. And what they were separating over was doctrinal truths. They wrote a book entitled, you know, The Fundamentals, where they define inspiration of Scripture, deity of Christ, creation of man, uh, obviously birth, um, burial, and resurrection, th those, those core values, those core doctrines that we would define as evangelical. Mm -hmm. Then post-1920, about 1940s or so, there was a little bit of a division even between the fundamentalist and a group that defined themselves as the new evangelicals. And at that point in time, the evangelicals looked at the fundamentalists, and they were concerned that the fundamentalists were really doing two things. They were isolating themselves from the world, and then they were adding man-made traditions to orthodoxy, to that level of doctrine. So that's really 1940s. So from 1940s up to today, an evangelical is one that one, they believe the gospel, but they also would defend and embrace the surrounding historical orthodoxy mm -hmm. that is part of what we would define today as Christianity at, at that stage. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of a history there. Again, yeah. the, the, the term is rooted in history, but today I think it is, is best understood as a term of, of Bible believers that adhere to the gospel truths and defend the doctrines that surround those gospel truths. Mm. And how pure has that term been kept? I mean, are, are there those who would call themselves evangelical who maybe would not abide by that latest, that um, latter yeah. definition? No, it's a, it's a great question because the, the answer to that is yes. Mm. Even within evangelicalism today, like, like many religious um, titles, there are always adjectives that are placed in front of it. And so you have individuals that would define themselves as postmodern evangelicals or those that would define themselves as conservative evangelicals. And within that, the questions you need to be asking, obviously, are what's your position on core doctrines and what is your position on the gospel? Then you're going to have other groups, 
and I'll, I'll be specific, individuals like the Jehovah's Witness, individuals like the, the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, uh, the Mormons, that feel comfortable embracing that term because they have a role of Jesus within the context of their religious doctrine. But if you dig down deeper, they are not believers in the gospel, nor do they necessarily embrace, matter of fact, they don't embrace the other core doctrines that are historical orthodoxy. So the term evangelical, it's, it's a broader term that is used today, and I would simply say it demands definition and it demands context. Mm -hmm. So it's not a term that when someone self-identifies as an evangelical, I'm not altogether comfortable with that until I followed up with the appropriate questions. And quite honestly, I would expect them to do the same with me. Yeah. No, I think that's so important. That's why I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, not everyone who says they're an evangelical is a Bible-believing evangelical, the way you defined it there. Um, so that's important to sift through as, as you're looking through, looking for churches or you're looking at ministries or um, just using terms in general. Uh, terms matter. So thank you for defining that. Sure. Um, so as far as trends that you see, what even broad trends do you see in evangelicalism across America? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, we live in, a, in a, a world that's changing so quickly. And so generally when someone speaks of trends, they're talking in terms of, you know, 10 to 12 years and you're seeing a trending pattern. Trends today, particularly in a post-COVID world, are those which are in the last two to three years. Yeah. Uh, with social media and with, with the internet, things are happening at a much quicker pace. That alone is a trend in that it, it impacts the way that we think. I live in a world of college students, and what's amazing is that from one generation, I'll put it from one class to another, hmm. in a four-year time frame, the distinction between what, what seniors are thinking and what freshmen are thinking, and they even talk about it amongst themselves, yeah. how vastly different they are depending upon the influences of their world. So to the question of evangelical trends, I think the, the one, I'll say a couple negative and then a couple positives. And when I speak of negative, just those things that we need to be aware of. Probably the, the dominant question today in the world is really, what is man? It's a question of anthropology. Uh, within historical Christendom, within cr the history of Christianity, there's always a particular doctrine that is questioned in every generation. And I would suggest that within the last decade, the question of anthropology is probably the core question. Because that's being addressed in, in what is a human being, what is a man, what is a woman, what is marriage? It addresses questions of racism, of social justice, of critical race theory. And these are terms, obviously, that are not just being addressed within the world of Christendom. These are being addressed within the, the broader context of America right now, within the world of politics. You hear individual, individuals being asked as they are uh, interviewed for the Supreme Court, what is a man and what is a woman? And we're not getting answers, mm -hmm. or at least we're not getting clear answers to that. So I think within evangelicalism, we have to recognize that we live in a post-Christian world, that the Judeo-Christian mindset of God said it, therefore it is, that that no longer exists. And I would suggest that we don't even live in a modern world. In a modern world, it was, uh, you know, science has proved it, therefore it is. Right now, when we're addressing the questions of man as, and in personhood, Science is not even enough, and we're not looking at chromosomes X and Y. What we're looking at more than anything is a postmodern world where the self is autonomous. And in that context, an individual simply can declare, I am who I want to be. Yeah, 
I declare my own truth. I declare my own truth. I declare my own identity. I declare my own sexuality. And that's what I am today because that's what I feel like today. Tomorrow I might change. And you have no right to judge what I feel. And if you do judge what I feel, then that is intolerant. It is hateful. And in some contexts, it's, it's, it's almost criminal now to suggest that someone is not who they say they are. And so evangelicals, that's going to be a challenge for us to deal with the pressures of that within the context of our society, because it's the, the interaction and the language that is taking place between culture and Christians in this, in this world is not a, a, um, it's not a peaceful engagement yeah. of thought. Yeah. Uh, and we know that Significant mainline Christian denominations are actually folding on this issue with even this week, the Anglican Church divided on this very issue. Some evangelicals are seeking levels of cultural accommodation by denying historic truths. So those that believe the Bible and will stand by a biblical understanding of anthropology, that's going to be a challenge. So from a trending perspective, what I'd love to see is I'd love to see evangelicals provide cogent, coherent loving answers to those questions, rejoicing in the fact that both men and women are created in the image of God. And that gives us dignity. It gives us unity. It gives us purpose that in, in creation, we were ontologically created equal by way of personhood. That allows me not to be a misogynist. I, I, I would never treat an individual that's been created in the image of God in an unhealthy or in an unwelcome manner. And, and so that, that gives me purpose, and it gives me a sense of relationship that's there. And then obviously in salvation, we are all spiritually equal before God. So the, the trend is the challenge of the question. The, the hope is that evangelicals actually have biblical answers for it. Mm-hmm. And those biblical answers, I think, are give us an opportunity to, communi- to communicate a worldview that um, is actually should be warmly received um, by those that are seeking for truth. So I, that's, that's one of the trends that I think is, is yeah. going to be significant within the next 10 to 12 years and perhaps even longer than that. That's helpful. And yeah, you're, you're totally right. You already see that trend happening, the confusion over anthropology and a biblical anthropology. Um, just thinking about the Christian who might be listening to this, who's surrounded by this type of ideology, uh, maybe they attend a, a university or um, maybe they're just an avid reader of the news. How would you encourage a Christian to um, have confidence in the truth and be uh, prepared to answer to these types of questions? Um, just any general encouragement there. Yeah, the the preparation. I think there's two elements to it. One is a content preparation, and two is a spirit preparation. The content preparation is is obviously going to churches that have a a literal understanding of Genesis one through eleven. I think so many of these questions are actually addressed for us in Genesis one through eleven. So a a robust both reading of that and studying of that particular passage, and then developing a confidence in God's word that it is truth. Uh, and one of the things that we always fear at times when we actually will defend ourselves in this area is, am I saying something that is actually accurate? And as we speak God's word, we have um, the absolute confidence that what we're speaking is both accurate and powerful. Mm-hmm. 
at times, again, uh, it's, it's, is it accurate? And then two, will it make a difference? Yeah. And the beauty is when you're speaking God's word, it makes a difference. And you know it's powerful because it divides it, and it causes a reaction. Yes, and, and yeah. it does. And, and that's where at times there are some elements of evangelicalism that will actually provoke in an unhealthy way. And, and so they'll address these issues in an unloving way, and it's almost an us versus them mindset. So, but uh, someone who, who doesn't believe the Bible, I understand why they've come to the position that they've come to. And I think we can lovingly engage them, communicate God's truth to them, offer them the gift of salvation, which will radically change their lives. I, I go into 1 Corinthians, and you read of Paul speaking of individuals that are members of the church of, Cor- of, of, of Corinth, and he says, now, such were some of you. Mm-hmm. And the sin categories that he's speaking of in 1 Corinthians 6 there are really the exact same issues we're dealing with today. And so I, I read that passage, and I just think in terms of the power of the gospel to transform lives. You were washed. You're different yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and great tip, too, with reading Galatians, or I'm sorry, Genesis 1 through 11. On a previous podcast, we talked about Genesis and talked about how you know, most of the major doctrines of Scripture at least have their seed form in Genesis. I mean, anthropology of man, you have salvation, sin, um, all these major doctrines can be found in Genesis. So excellent tip to to study and know Genesis, know the beginnings. Yeah, a, a, a biblical worldview is framed in Genesis 1 through 11. Yeah. And so mastering that just sets the trajectory really for all of life from that point forward. Awesome. Well, thank you again for uh, sharing your insights on evangelicalism, um, and thank you for being here for the men's conference. We look forward to hearing you there. I, I look forward to opening the word. It's always a great group of men to interact with, so looking yeah. forward to a great weekend. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to the Sound Words podcast, and we hope you have a great day.